Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and he told them, what was going to happen to him. Notice what was going to happen to him. We are going to go up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. He will mock, who will mock and spit upon him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, however, he will rise. And may God bless the reading of his word. And I invite you to take out those message notes and can we pray one more time, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm asking this morning that you'd help me to share your word and, as always, make it applicable to our lives this Easter Sunday of 2013. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Did you hear the particular story? I like to start with a funny story. Did you hear the story about the young mother who was cooking, chill, uh, who was cooking breakfast for her two young children? A young mother was cooking breakfast for her two young children. Ryan was five and Kevin was three. And they begin to argue over who should be the first to receive the first pancake. They were arguing who was going to get the first pancake. And the mother saw it as an opportunity to teach them a lesson. She said, boys, boys. She said, boys, listen. If Jesus were here right now, he would say, let my brother have the very first pancake and Ryan turned to his younger brother Kevin and said all right Kevin you be Jesus <laughs> you be Jesus everybody agrees there's there's no there's no doubt there's no doubt in the whole world everybody agrees that Jesus was a great teacher everybody agrees that Jesus Christ was a master teacher but not everybody agrees that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for the sins of the world. And not everybody agrees that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. Jesus taught some wonderful things, but not everyone agrees that he was truly God's son, that he was a savior of the world. Now, why is Easter so important? Why is Easter so important? Some people come to church on Easter Sunday morning because it's a thing to do and Maybe they come to church because it's what the family does. It's the habitual thing that you do on Easter Sunday morning. You go to church. But why is Easter important? Did you know that in the next 24 hours, billions of people, billions of people around the entire world will be celebrating this event that we call Easter. When Jesus Christ arose from the dead and arose from the grave after being dead for three days, it did two things. First of all, it proved who he said he was. It proved who he said he was. I want you to notice in your message notes, John chapter 8, verse 25. Tell us who you are, they demanded. And Jesus replied, I'm the one I've always claimed to be. When you have killed the Messiah, you'll realize that I am he. Now, 
Jesus Christ made some really outrageous claims while he was here on the earth. Jesus said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am God. He said, I am absolutely perfect. Jesus Christ made some outrageous claims. Did you know that no other religious leader that we know of made those claims? No other famous religious leader. Buddha never said that. Muhammad never said that. And here comes Jesus Christ, so to speak, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I'm one of many ways. He didn't say, I point toward the way. He didn't say, I just teach the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And Jesus also said, I am God. I am God. Now, I could stand up here, and I could preach, and I could teach, and you would say, you know that pastor over there, that Ron Roberson guy? Some of you would say that. Some would say, well, he's an okay teacher. But the moment that I stood up and said, I am God, you would check me into a nut house. You would think that I was absolutely crazy. Now, Jesus, again, didn't say, I'm one of many ways. I just teach the way. Jesus said, I am it. And he claimed to be God. He said in Mark 10, 34, they will mock and they will flog and they will kill me. But after three days, I will come back to life again. That passage of scripture we read. Now, listen. Why did they crucify Jesus Christ in the first place? Why did they crucify Jesus in the first place? The religious leaders crucified Jesus Christ in the first place because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. And the religious leaders had two options. They could either bow down and worship him or they could get rid of him. And they chose to do the latter. There was a, they chose to get rid of Jesus Christ. The only problem is, he didn't stay dead. Did you hear what it said? He didn't stay dead. Now, there's some sort of humor in the Easter story. There's humor in this Easter story. Can you imagine being a religious leader at this particular time, and, and you, you wanted Jesus Christ dead, and so you, fate, you, you, you brought him before a, a, a group of people, and he faced these trumped-up charges, and you had him beaten, and you had him whipped, and you put this crown of thorns on his head, ripping it like a chainsaw rips through a log, and then you nailed him, uh, on the cross, the most cruel death you can ever uh, experience between two thieves, and Jesus Christ died. He died, and they put him in the tomb, and then they put a Roman seal over the tomb, and then they put a 24-hour guard there, and all of a sudden, three days later, this event happened, his death happened before thousands and thousands of people, and three days later, here the man that you wanted to do away with is up and walking around, and he's snubbing it in your face, so to speak. You say, what are you talking about? Did you know that there are over 15 recorded incidences in the New Testament where Jesus made his post-resurrection appearance? He walked down sidewalks. He talked with people. He ate with people. One time, Jesus Christ appeared to over 500 people. It was across the whole nation. The whole nation It spread. Jesus Christ, this man is up, and he's walking, and he's going around. If CNN had been there, they would have one of those camcorders recording everything that was happening and going on because they were they would be absolutely astonished this guy that you put to death this guy that you crucified is now walking up and he's snubbing his nose so to speak at you and he's saying come on come on now and this happened did you know that george callop george callop did a poll and it said that 89 percent of americans believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? 89%. Nine out of ten people believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
But if you're a thinking person and if you're a smart person, you would ask the question, what is that doing for me right now? What is, so what Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead 2,000 plus years ago? What in the world does that have to do with me right now at this particular date, March 30th, 31st, 2013 on the Easter Sunday right here, right now? What does it mean? What difference does it make? Listen, listen, guys, this is the only way I can explain it. This is the only way I can share it. And I've, I've used this illustration numerous times since I've been here, but this is the only way I can say it. You know what? If God wanted to relate to ants, he would become an ant. If God wanted to relate to these cows out here, and we got a lot of cows around Grant County. If God wanted to relate to these cows, he would become a cow. If God wanted to relate to these birds, he would become a bird. But he wanted to relate to you, and he wanted to relate to me, and the Bible says that he became flesh. God stepped through the, down through the quarters of time. God wrapped as a baby, a divine mystery. We can't understand it. God wrapped in the flesh because he wanted to relate to us. I can relate to a human being. I can't relate to some abstract, the force may be with you. What is that? But I can relate to a person. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ was born as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He taught a better way. He taught about the kingdom of God. He taught about all of these wonderful things about about relationships and forgiveness. He taught about how to have freedom and how not to be bound up. And he went to the cross and he died on the cross and he said, this is how much I love you. This is how much I love you. Greater love have no man that he would die for another person. While we're yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ, Christ, died for us. Now, even if you don't accept the resurrection as a historical fact, you have to admit, you have to admit that Jesus Christ and what he did and the resurrection is the key event in all of history. All of history is measured between A.D. and B.C. Every time you write a check, every time you look at a calendar, what is the reference point? It's the reference point to the person and, and, and the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, Jesus, by resurrecting from the dead, not only proved who he said he was, but it also validates what he taught was truth. It also validates what he said was truth. Now, if Jesus wasn't, listen, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, and if Jesus didn't do what he said he did, then what he taught would be a bunch of bunk. It would be a bunch of bunk. But it validates, because Jesus Christ did die on the cross, and because Jesus did do what he said, it validates that what he said in his earthly ministry was true. What he said in his earthly ministry was true. Now listen to John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be upfront. I'm going to be as straightforward as I can be. Most people are not really living. They're just existing. Most people that I know are not really living. They're just existing. Because they're usually bound up in some sort of addiction, alcohol, drugs. They have some sort of illicit relationship going on. There's some sort of severe depression, severe discouragement in their life. 
and they're bound up in all these things. And yet the Bible says that when you know Jesus Christ, the truth will set you free. What specifically is Jesus talking about when he says the truth will set you free? Well, first of all, I want you to know this is what the Bible says. This is not Ron Roberson. This is what the scripture says. I'm not making anything up. It says the truth that will set you free is, is that you are not a accident. You're not an accident. Your forefathers didn't climb out of the primordial ooze someplace. Your uncle wasn't, a, uh, wasn't an ape or a monkey. We, <laughs> that's got to be the silliest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. The Bible says, listen to what it says. We are God's work of art created in Christ Jesus to live the good life as he meant for us to live it. And the Bible says that God made you because he loved you. And he, you know what? In God's kingdom, there's no such thing as a illegitimate child. There's no such thing in God's vocabulary as a legitimate child. God made us for a purpose. Now, what's your purpose in life? If you're like most people, come on, this is true. If you're like most people, most people that you know, they get up in the morning, they eat breakfast, they get ready for the day, they go to work, they come home, they watch a little TV, and then they go to bed. And this was repeated Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then if they're lucky, they get Saturday and Sunday off, they go, to, they go to Magoon Lake out here. They party all weekend, so to speak. And then they come back and it starts all over again. And they do this year after year after year after year. And they have no purpose beyond just living for the basic necessities of life. But the Bible says that God has made you for a specific purpose. You have a purpose in your life. And when you discover when you discover why God has made you and what he made you for, and that's one of the reasons our church is here, is to help you discover that, all of a sudden, life takes on meaning and life takes on significance. And, and you have fulfillment in your life because God has a purpose and plan for your life. How many of you remember the excellent book, one of the finest books ever written, one of the finest stories, when you understand the deeper meaning of it. You remember that classic literature, that classic fictional book about Don Quixote. You remember that? So you say, Don Quixote, Pastor Ron, that's way over my head. Come on now. Don Quixote. You remember the story? There was this man who was addled. He was touching the head. He was a little bit off in the head. And Don Quixote imagined that he was a knight in shining armor. And he imagined that he was riding a white steed, a white stallion horse. And he imagined that he had a sidekick, Poncho, who was his right-hand man, his squire. The only problem is, is that he wasn't riding on a white stallion. He was riding on the back of a swayback nag. And he wasn't fighting dragons. He was fighting old windmills on the countryside. And Don Quixote, in this condition, imagined that he came to this inn. And he imagined that it was a palace, but it really was an inn. And there he saw the most pitiful creature. But in his mind, Dulcinea became the woman of his love and the object of his love. And he saw Dulcinea as being the most beautiful woman who ever lived. A woman of virtue, a woman of 
that would he would like to pursue in his for her hand in marriage. But Dulcinea was a lowly servant girl who was abused and used by every mule trader that came into that particular inn. And at the end of the story, Don Quixote comes to his senses. He's on his deathbed. And all the people who he thought were something else came before him and Dulcinea, and they begged him not to change. And the reason why is, is because his vision of what they could become had transformed and had changed their life. Don't tell me that God does not have a purpose for every single person in this room, in this community, and that God created you and knows you, and that He knows you, He formed you in your mother's womb. And when you begin to understand just a little bit of that, when you begin to get a glimpse of what God thinks about you, it can literally transform your life from the inside out. Well, God not only made me for a purpose, number two, we read the truth that transforms is this, I can know God personally. I can know God personally. You say, what are you talking about? Do you ever feel like your prayers bounce off the ceiling and come back down? You, your prayers bounce off the ceiling and they come back down? Am I just talking to myself here? Is there really God hearing all this? Maybe there's a God, but is he really interested in the details of my life? And the Bible says, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you know the Bible says that God knows the very number on the top of our head? And for some of us, me included, that's not too hard. He knows the very numbers of hair on the top of your head. And God knows all about us. And did you know that religion, there's a lot of religion out there. Did you know that? Religion is knowing about God. A relationship is knowing God. And did you know there's a lot of religious people out there? And you know what? Huh. You may be Buddhist, Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish. I don't care your background. It's not religion. It's not religion. You know, somebody has said that religion is like, um, like getting one of those, um, getting one of those uh, immunization shots. You just get a little bit of it, not to get you the, not to have you get the real thing. And that's what religion is. It gets in the way of relationship. And the Bible says that Jesus came to, to provide relationship with us. And that's why he came, to get to know him. In fact, this is what Jesus said. John, John 14, 21, Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will be loved. What? Look at it with me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. I will love him. And I will, what? Show myself to him, and will come to him, and make my home with him. Wouldn't you like an intimate, personal relationship with God Almighty Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am it. The third truth, the third truth that frees is, is this. I can be forgiven of my sins and I can start all over again. I can be forgiven of my sins and I can start all over again. You guys, you don't know how many people I know and you don't know how many people I meet who say, I feel so guilty because of the things I did in my past and that guilt over the past is interfering with the present. And I've been halfway through life and I wish I could start all over again because I've made some bad decisions and I've made some bad choices. I've got good news for you. 
The Bible says that we can be forgiven of our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. A number of years ago, in an old cemetery, an old cemetery, there was a tombstone that marked the destination for the body of Grace Llewellyn Smith. There was no date of birth on this tombstone, and there was no date of death, just the names of her two husbands and this epitaph. Listen to what was on her epitaph on this tombstone. Sleeps, sleeps, but rests not. Loved, but was loved not. Tried to please, but pleased not. Died as she lived alone. It really makes you wonder when you read an epitaph about that. It merely makes you wonder about her life. It really makes you wonder, was she, did she ever feel loved by her husband? Did she have any fulfillment in her life? Did she have some sort of past guilt? Did she have some sort of guilt that was bringing and interfering with the present? But the Bible says this. It says that anything I've ever said, anything I've ever done, I can be forgiven. Now, this past year, if you were to put a screen up here of every single thing that you thought, and every single thing that you've done, if you're like me, you'd be embarrassed. Because I've said some things, and I've done some things that would be absolutely embarrassing if it came out in public. But here's the good news. I can be forgiven of every single one of those things that I've said or did, not because I'm such a good guy, but because of the grace of God and because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I can be forgiven of my past. Amen. I can be forgiven, and I can start all over again. We're talking about the truths that can be free. I want you to look, listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. He has forgiven us of all our sins. If you like to circle, circle in your message notes, He has forgiven us all of our sins and canceled, circle that word canceled, every record of the debt we owed, Christ has done away with it, what? By nailing it to the cross. It's like a canceled check. How many, every time you write that check, it's gone. I forget about it. That canceled check is gone. It's been paid for. And that's the way it is about our sins. It's been paid for. And we like to say it's like this. God, he throws our, he throws our sins in the deepest, darkest part of the ocean. And then he puts a no fishing sign on top. They're gone. He doesn't remember them anymore. Wouldn't that be great? Isn't that wonderful truth that you could use? And I want to go on here. I'm almost finished. And the number four, number four, the other truth that frees is this. I can go to heaven when I die. I can go to heaven when I die. This is what the scripture says. This is good news. I heard about a street, street, street preacher this week, and he asked a drunk. A street preacher asked a drunk, Would you like to go to heaven? The drunk said, no way. The preacher said, why not? The drunk said, I thought you were taking a group right now. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday about celebrity tombstones. Bill Clinton, I didn't in hell. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, hasta la vista, baby. Captain Kirk of Star, Star Trek. Will somebody please beat me up? If there's any place, if there's any place, there ought to be laughter about death. It should be in the church. It should be in the church. 
we're all going to die. Jesus said, I beat it. He said, I beat it. I came through death. I came out on the other side. And you can bear it too if you trust me. Death is not the end. Now we're saddened. I don't want to make light of grieving and loss. We're saddened when people die. But the good news is, is that we have the hope of eternal life, which comforts us and helps us. And the fact is, is that death is a universal event. Black people, white people, red people, Americans, non-Americans, is a great equalizer. Poor people, rich people, and listen, only, only, only a fool would go through life not prepared for the inevitable. Only a fool. I hate to say it that way, but I don't know how else to say it. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for the inevitable. What's going to happen to me when I die? Here's what the Bible says is going to happen after you die. Heaven is a perfect place. It's absolutely perfect. There's no mistakes in heaven. And if, you've got to, if, you've got to, if you're going to live in heaven, you've got to be absolutely perfect. You say, I don't stand a chance. And you're absolutely right. And that's why God came up with plan B. You see, plan A is, is that you go through life and you're absolutely perfect. You say all the things you're supposed to say. You do all the things that you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden you come to the end of your life and God says, you are absolutely perfect. I'm going to let you into my perfect place. That would be like telling those people the only way that you can enter the Baseball Hall of Fame is to about 1,000 and to pray, play error-free baseball your entire career. And it doesn't work that way. The best bat a little over 300. And so God came up with plan B. He came up with plan B. Is to trust and put your faith in the only perfect person who has ever lived. Get on his merits and establish a relationship with him rather than trying to get in on your own merits. There was a fellow by the name of Ron Dunn. And Ron Dunn took his sons, uh, excuse me, took his son to one of those carnival fair events where they have all the carnival rides. And so it was his son's birthday. So he said, you can take six of your friends. And so at every single ride, the dad would give his son and six of his son's friends a ticket to ride on that ride. At one particular ride, Ron Dunn gave a ticket to his son, six of his son's friends, and here was a seventh pair of hands. Who are you? I'm your son's new friend. And he said, he said that I could get in on this ride Through a ticket. A ticket. Now, when you stand before the Lord and you die, he, and he asks that question, why should I let you into my heaven? Are you going to say, because I was a perfect person? Because I did everything I was supposed to do? No. You're going to say, I'm a friend of your son, Jesus Christ, and he already paid for my admission. Jesus Christ has already paid for our way into heaven. 
Now, as I said earlier, we're, we're here for different reasons. We come here for different reasons. Sometimes we come out of church. Uh, we come out of tradition. Sometimes we come because, you know, it's a thing that our family does on Easter. We all go to Easter together. Sometimes people come to church because of an advertisement. We had an advertisement in the paper this, this last week. But I really don't believe that you're here by accident this morning. I believe that you're here because God wanted you to be here, to listen for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so, so that we could, I could communicate very briefly a number of things, that you really do matter to God, that God does have a plan for your life, that God offers grace and forgiveness to anybody who would like to pray a simple prayer of faith to receive Him, and that God, as a Creator, wants to get to know us, and that He has, a, again, a personal plan for us. You say, Pastor, I believe that there's a Creator. I believe there's a Creator. I just don't know that I can personally be involved with Him. You're wrong. You're wrong. He's interested in you. Some of you might say, I can never, I can never ever be forgiven of the things I've done. And I would say again, you're wrong. You can be forgiven of anything and everything. And some of us, listen, if the truth were really don't, some of us are afraid to die. We're afraid to die because we don't know what's going to happen. But you don't have to be afraid. I don't want to die. But I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid. I don't want to die. I have too much to live for. But I'm not afraid because I know, I know what the Lord has done for me. And I know who He is. And you can have that kind of assurance in your life as well. You can. Would you bow your heads with me, please, as we pray together? Would you bow your heads all around this auditorium here? How do I get that salvation? I can't give it to you. You've got to ask God for it. What do you say? You might pray a prayer like this. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. Just thank him. I believe Jesus was who he said he was and proved it by rising from the dead. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and for giving me all my sins. I accept you as my Lord. That means boss, manager, CEO, and Savior, and your free gift of eternal life. Now, each of us, each of us at different spiritual stages in our journey. Some of you are here today and you would say, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if I died today that I would go to heaven or not. I'm not sure of it. Well, you need, you need to talk to God today and say, I'm scrapping plan A. I know I can never be perfect. I've got to put my faith in plan B and trust Jesus Christ. Some of you would say, I was close to God in the past, but I've drifted away. I don't feel close to Him anymore. And God has a word for you. Yes, a verse in Isaiah says, With open arms and deep love, I will draw you back. Come home to the Lord today. Some of you perhaps don't have a church home and you've been searching for one and you need to find one. We love to have you as a part of the John Day Church of the Nazarene. But let the Lord come in your life and that's what God wants to do. I want every one of you to know Jesus Christ personally like I do and like a number of people do in our church. But even if I can make that decision for you, I wouldn't do it. Manipulative change never lasts. But if this morning, if this morning, 
you say, this sounds good. And you want to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not religion. I don't care what your background is, again. But a relationship to Christ. Or you would say, I've fallen away and I want to reestablish and reaffirm and recommit myself to Christ. I want to invite you to pray with me right now a simple prayer. Pray this prayer in your heart. The Lord looks upon the heart. He looks on the sincerity of your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would convict and convince, that you would open spiritual eyes and give them understanding this morning. I'm asking this, Lord, please work in people's lives. Help them, Lord. Help them, Jesus. Help them. I would invite you to pray a simple prayer wherever you're at. I'm not going to ask you to get up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but pray a simple prayer to yourself this morning. If you would like to do that, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you want to know where you're going after you die, you want to be forgiven of your sins, you want to establish a relationship with God the Father, and you want purpose in your life, I'd invite you to pray, pray this prayer this morning. Here's the prayer. Pray it sincerely to yourself. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. Thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. I believe, I believe Jesus was who he said he was. Yes, we believe, Lord. And you proved it by rising from the dead. And I want to discover, just say to him, I want to discover and begin to follow your plan and purpose for my life. I want to begin to follow your purpose and plan for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart of all unrighteousness. Forgive me for the awful things I've said or done in my life. Relieve me of this guilt. And thank you once again, Jesus Christ, to say to him, thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me and forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you, Jesus.